Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Maddie Saliba, thank you so much for joining us today, also known as the plant-based nutritionist, but not to confuse people because you are a registered dietitian nutritionist, the real thing, an RD, um, and we're so excited to dig in to your area of expertise in particular, which is weight loss and flexible eating, and um, we'll start by getting to know you first, uh, but thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Of course, I'm very excited to be here. Um, so maybe that's the uh, the best place to start the beginning. Um, what was the journey to become an RD? When did you decide that you wanted to to play with food for your career? Yeah, play with food. <laughs> um, I guess that's part of what I do. But I actually never thought that I would end up where I am now. I think a lot of people probably have that same experience, but. I definitely had my fair share of dieting that started pretty young. And while I've always like been into nutrition, like I've always liked health, healthy food, like even as a kid, um, my grandma like jokes that I used to ask for more trees on my plate, like broccoli when I was like a very little kid. And so I've always liked nutritious foods. And then probably around that preteen teenage years, um, I actually was really into like the singer songwriter thing. I would perform at like restaurants or bars that they would let me into. And um, so I was really into music and that was kind of my first experience with dieting, the dieting side of nutrition, because I wanted to, you know, get, you know, be in shape. I wanted to be able to perform better. And I knew that it takes a lot to be able to, you know, play guitar, sing on stage, move around. So a teacher suggested to me, you know, like, why don't you start working out or, you know, something to like improve my cardiovascular endurance for that. And so I did that and it turned pretty unhealthy pretty quickly of like counting calories pretty strictly dieting on and off, like working out excessively. And eventually I realized I didn't want to do music for the rest of my life. Like I love it. It will always be a part of me, but like, I didn't want that lifestyle. <laughs> um, so that's really when I went, I switched my major to nutrition in college and really took off from there. And just, I just knew that there was so much more to it than like eat healthy and really becoming a dietitian and like really digging into like the science and just everything that comes with it, the food science part of it, the metabolic health, like the medical nutrition side of it. There's so much to it that you don't really understand until you really get into it. And so that was a whole experience in itself. Awesome. Um, and I think I saw somewhere on there that you um, established the desire to quote, get in shape at like 12 or 13 years old. Um, so this is always kind of part of your journey. And I, I don't assume you were performing at bars that young. So maybe, no. maybe you could just kind of piece those two things together and comment on kind of this uh, really unhealthy diet culture that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a 
it was a desire to get in shape and to get healthy. And at that age, like I had, I don't even know that I, I guess I did have the internet and I had apps um, and just trying different things. You know, I would see people around me, like women around me, like on these diets or these cleanses or they were drinking protein shakes for like every single meal and only eating like raw vegetables and like just that yo-yo. There was so much around me that I could have, that I picked up to eat or just the way of eating. And I just knew that at some point I realized like, okay, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I don't want to be worried about my weight at like 60, 70, 80. Like, you know, there's people not just around me, but like in my family and friends and people that would come over worrying about their weight and they're like 70 years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, is that going to be me? I don't want that to be me. So I had to find a better way. And that's kind of where I got more into plant-based and there's more to it there as well. If you want to go into that too, I'm happy to share about how I got into that, but I don't know if that gives you a better story of, of where I came from and what I tried. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, it's so sad. I've seen from, what was it like adolescent girls, 50% of them reported um, feeling hopelessness, you know, and it's like the mental health crisis that we are dealing with. In addition to obviously the, the obesity and, and just general ill health and like this, this cyclical, cycle or I should say this like self-reinforcing loop it's it's such an important story that you're you're sharing and obviously service you're providing to your your broader community um tell me what was that journey or, or how'd you branch into plant-based from from that kind of foundation that you just described yeah I do want to touch on just yeah, what you said about it. anywhere you want to go like 50% of adolescent girls, like, I think that is a very scary statistic. And my husband is actually a psychiatrist. So he's like on the mental health, you know, front lines over there. And I think what some people don't realize is that eating disorders are one of the, if not the number one cause of, of, or anorexia specifically is like, the leading cause of of death it's like one of the um, amongst all the mental illnesses that one has like the highest rate of of death and suicide and like it's not to be taken lightly when we hear these the the fact that there's just girls and i'm sure you know boys too young impressionable humans that are seeing everything online too i think social media as a double-edged sword there because yeah. you can scroll through TikTok, you can scroll through Instagram and you see it just like the, what I eat in a day videos. And it's like very disordered. And I'm just like, please don't share that. You know, like, unless you have the background, it's really hard to really know what you're talking about and to like be showing what you're doing. I think inspiration is great. Recipes are great, but like giving more personalized advice when you just don't exactly know what you're talking about uh, to put it, you know, nicely, I guess. Um, it's yeah. scary. And so, yeah, that comparison trap that just the mental 
an emotional toll that that can take on you from such a young age is is a scary thing to think about. And I think being able to shift that and I hope, you know, I'm just one person. I put out as much content as I can. I try to reach as many people as I can to send that different message of like, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be so restrictive. It can be healthier. We can do this from a place of self-care or really taking care of the mental and physical side of nutrition and get you to a place where you're not in that, in that loop for forever. Yeah. Just to touch on two things quickly. uh, And then I I do want to hear about kind of how you got set on plant-based. But uh, the first being, I think it's so important. We think a lot about kind of our, our diet in terms of what we eat. Um, But I think a growing concept, uh, you know, concept growing in popularity is an information diet. And thinking about, you know, how important it is to curate the the feeds of information coming in to our minds, because it can really pollute, um, not just in terms of, I mean, like, I don't think we, I know we weren't evolved uh, as humans to um, consume all of the world's negative events simultaneously every single day right it's like we used to live in these like tiny little pods and if a tree fell down and like hurt someone like that was really sad but it was relatively rare you know but now we have these like hyper sensationalized um and and like we are we're worried about a hurricane in california and a wildfire in maui and then you know a a hurricane in in the florida coast and like that's just the the u.s natural phenomenon and you add like you know, murders and disease and what's going on in Somalia. And like, I mean, it's really crazy. This And so it's so important. And that doesn't even touch on the second part that you brought up, which is you got to be really judicious about who you believe and who you choose to follow. And, and you know, because like the one I always go to is the liver king um who's got like millions of followers and because he's just so outrageous you know and like eating these bloody or animal organ meats organs um that uh you know just like practically raw i guess and i mean it's like literally barbaric and he wants it to be barbaric he like is happily seen in that light and and there's a lot of you know, young men who see like, oh, this guy's got this like ripped body and like, it's, you know, but lo and behold, like, was anyone surprised that he was recently outed for being on steroids, you know, or enhan- <laughs> you know performance enhancing drugs, you know, it's like, well, duh, like your body doesn't, grow, no matter how many bulls testicles you eat, like your body doesn't grow that way without a little bit more, you know, synthetic uh, encouragement. So it's a really scary thing. I don't obviously have the same um, aperture into probably the adolescent girl side of things and disordered eating, but I, I know for sure the same thing is happening. So I think mean, so amazing the service you're doing of putting out, you know, these delicious pancakes covered in, you know, peanut butter, blueberries, like just like really wholesome food that can kind of counteract what is otherwise like these extreme voices that get so much attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's a recipe for anxiety, really, when you're, you know, consuming all this information, and then now you have to take that and and then filter it through, like, is this real? Is this not real? Do I believe this? And, and that's just, 
it can be exhausting. And the truth is, I and I maybe don't quote me on this, but I think I read or heard somewhere like fake news spreads like five times faster than than like actual truth. And part of that is like, you know, people want to be wowed on social media. They want to see somebody doing something so crazy that, you know, it, it's entertainment, basically. It's it's interesting. It definitely draws curiosity. It draws views. And it the I guess the downside of it is when people like actually start to follow something like, you know, organ meats or just like those like extreme, you know, the carnivore diet, like all kinds of crazy things that like now they're hurting themselves in a way by, you know, creating this or following this diet that is not healthy, is not sustainable yeah. and has its own, you know, repercussions there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, like I, I've, I've never heard the stat that's five times faster, but we, we know that these social media platforms are like rage machines, you know, yeah. because like the likes and the shares, you know, if you can elicit a reaction and it, it's a, I mean, it's something that um, my, my partner, Matt Frazier and I are, are looking at a lot because for a new book, because um, fundamentally, you know, it happens across other media types too. Because yeah. CNN and even the Wall Street Journal, or New York Times, whatever it is, like, you know, what were traditionally more trustworthy um, outlets, like, they're still now because of the sort of the, the monetary um, incentives, you know, have to prioritize like clickbait, right? Like what's right. going to get clicks? And if right. like the, the you know, 7,000 study that says like, eat whole fruits and vegetables and like you'll live a long time and probably be more disease-free compared to someone eats like McDonald's. No one's clicking on that. Like we all got it. Like we, we know, yeah. everyone knows deep down, you know, but like the one that says like, you know, study shows ice cream, you know, like can, can actually encourage or whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's like people click and that sells ads. And so there's more, attention right and it's like it's just a really vicious vicious cycle <laughs> yeah yeah and I think there's I mean coming at it like becoming a dietitian and seeing this you know there's the information is all over the place of all the misinformation and then just like the crazy things that you see and you hear I think a lot of the times like my approach to it or originally I was like you know I don't I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I don't want to be a part of, you know, promoting or, or social media in any way. Like my reaction, my initial reaction is like, okay, I'm just like, not going to look at it, not going to follow it. Like, not, I'm just going to avoid kind of. And then I was like, well, I have this knowledge. I like to help people in, in a more sustainable way. Like I got to just jump into it and, you know, have put out content that is real and is helpful and it is sustainable. And yeah, maybe it's not the most like clicky, flashy, you know, information you can see out there, but somebody's looking at it. And I've helped hundreds of women at this point. So I know that like, it's getting, it's reaching people. And I just, I think you can look at it and be like, this is like a disaster, or you can look at it and be like, how can I, you know, make this better? And how can I help in a 
in a different way. Well, I, I think it's an amazing service that you're you're doing. And I, I have to suppose that you've helped thousands of, of women <laughs> at this point, given that there are hundreds of thousands that are interacting with your social media content. So I think it's really important and I'm glad you're doing it. Um, so let's go back to kind of, I know your dad was diagnosed with colon cancer um, yes. and that is part of probably why you've ended up looking at nutrition um, as a career. Does that kind of edging you along the plant-based diet? Like what, what was the plant-based aha moment? Because colon cancer is obviously one of, I mean, the scariest diseases and I hope your, your dad's still with us. Um, yes, but it's also yes. one that is, is most tied to a plant-based diet because, you know, fiber is so good for, for your colon. So maybe you can just tell us a little bit more about that transition and thinking yeah it was kind of two things I would say colliding at the same time I was diagnosed with IBS um irritable bowel syndrome if you don't if you're not familiar with that but that like everyone's was, familiar with it yeah either pers <laughs> personally or through yeah. the millions of ads we see on tv yes. you know yeah so I definitely was struggling with like gut health and then kind of around the same time my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer at a, a fairly young age I believe he was 50 um, and it was pretty advanced. It wasn't like the most advanced, but it was pretty advanced where it was like, it was concerning. And so thankfully he is absolutely here with us today. Um, and, but what I realized from that was that, you know, you can do these diets, you can lose weight quickly, but like, let's look at overall health. Let's look at long-term health. And I knew that I wanted to make a change, you know, reduce my risk for for those kind of diet related diseases you know maybe diet isn't a hundred percent the cause of it but it's a significant contributor to you know developing these diseases so that was a huge push for me to start incorporating more plant-based foods um i went pretty extreme with it i was like strictly vegan for a little while and eventually i realized that i have tremendous benefit from eating a lot of whole plant-based foods, but I'm from New Orleans. I don't know if you've ever been down here, but we are not known for our healthy food down here. And we've got some really good, really unhealthy foods, but like, I knew I didn't want to give up those foods exclusively, like forever. Like my grandma makes an amazing gumbo. And I'm like, I, I can't just like say no to that for the rest of my life. She's not going to be here for that long. And yeah. I love that. I grew up with those kind of foods. So balancing in those kind of things. And that's where that flexibility and that piece comes into it. And knowing that nutrition has to be personalized, it's got to be individualized to really work long-term. And so I was able to find that balance for me and I hope that everyone is able to find that balance for them, whether that is going vegan or just adding in more fruits and vegetables throughout the day and those, you know, disease fighting foods. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you think you're uh, eating plant-based like 60% of your calories, like 80, 90%? I'm just curious. I would say more like 90, 95. I'm pretty whole food plant-based for the most part but I'm also not gonna like turn down you know ice cream yeah. every now and then um or just 
like we'll have fish maybe once a week but I would say I'm mostly plant-based um because I honestly I just feel so much better eating this way too and I think that's a big driver of it is like when you eat in a way that makes you feel good it gives you energy you're not feeling tired and sluggish and run down after a meal that's motivating in itself to keep you going and to keep eating that way as well yeah that's awesome um I was just talking to uh Dan Butner um of the blue zones you know and it's so funny because I think we have we have such a desire especially for people who connect like the the ethical side of a plant-based diet a, a vegan diet I should say in that case um and uh it's it's so easy to fall prey to sort of like the all or nothing and I really, you know, encourage people, you know, I've been vegan for 10 years. And at this point, you know, it, it works for me. Um, but it hasn't always worked, right? Like, I, I literally just found a picture where like my nails were, were like falling off, and my skin was like peeling off. And yeah. I was diagnosed with this like rheumatoid like inflammation and um, rheumatologists and all these doctors wanted to put me on like these strong hormone therapies. And like, Actually, I was just deficient in B12 and omegas and probably vitamin D, right? And so yeah. like, lo and behold, I learned to like complement my diet that words were how our company was born to to encourage plant-based eaters. But, you know, like you say, we've all got to kind of figure out what works for us. And yeah. I know a lot of people who wouldn't want to take, you know, a supplement every day. They'd rather just eat fish and yeah, I think there's some ecological challenges with that because of the way that we fish. But I yeah. also think that there are people who are going to to really, um, you know, extreme lengths to to try to minimize their their footprint and you know, um, in all sorts of ways, right? Like we we all travel and fly and like do all sorts of things that are terrible for the environment. So I just think you know we we are such extremists and and food has become such a religion that unfortunately it's made it harder for people like you to have like honest conversations and say like yeah I occasionally eat different things that aren't plants and like you know uh, and and it shouldn't be a big deal right like we should applaud the fact that you're eating 90 to 95 percent plant-based as opposed to focusing on the 10 5 percent that isn't plants which are you know um, and if you look at the blue zone, you know, which is why I brought up Dan Butner, you know, it's, it's very much a plant-based diet. He's very clear. It's a plant-based diet, but it's not a vegan diet, you know, yeah. like it's not a no alcohol diet. And those are diets that, you know, one of the things that I think he mentioned and, and it just really resonated with what you said, um, is that if you're, if you're going to be you know, it, it doesn't matter what you do today or this month or for the next year, right? Like it matters what you do over the course of decades, maybe even your entire life, because it's the compounding damage, you know, that's really going to cause disease. And so, if you, like you said, if you don't love the way you eat, if it's not giving you energy and joy and making it easy for you to go over to your grandmother's house, right? Like it, it's not going to be sustainable and therefore you're not going to get those benefits over the course of an entire life. So anyway, thank you for for being open with that. I wish it wasn't even, you know, something we talked about. We could just all be happy to say like, you know, I'm I'm plant-based, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I get a lot of a lot of backlash just like on social media because, you know, I 
put out mostly plant plant-based recipes. I'm my handle is the plant-based nutritionist and like any small, you know, I had had like an egg or something for breakfast and you just see like the comments of like I thought you were plant-based. I can't believe you're eating an egg like all this stuff and I'm just like, "Hey, like I eat 90 95% plant-based, but I have animal foods every now and then and that's what works for me." You want to if you want to not eat any of that food, then look, find what works for you. But I'm just sharing my story yeah. here. And I think that flexibility and that, like you said, the all or nothing is a huge mindset block to be able to make these changes in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Um, plus the 95% plant-based nutrition, it doesn't have the same ring to it. So <laughs> no, but, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but let me, you know, we're both going to get, um, what's the word? Uh, not banned, but um, uh, anyway. Canceled. Um, <laughs> canceled, thank you. Because uh, I want to bring up another super controversial topic, but I think it's really important because as we look at, like, if you look at, like, OECD com countries, like, developed economies, like, life expectancy pretty much rebounded after covid except in the U.S. where we keep going down, right? Interesting. Like life expectancy pretty much plateaued, you know, over the last 10 years prior to COVID, right? No additional improvements. And if you control for infectious disease, right? So like typhoid, um, you know, dysentery, things that unfortunately there are still populations dealing with in the world, but we have, um, through vaccines, through sanitation, through any number of things, we have fixed those things and we saw massive gains in life expectancy. But if you control for that, take that out of the consideration, like we're actually not doing that well, right? Um, no yeah. real improvements, despite the fact that we spend more on healthcare than any other country. Right, like it's a really broken dynamic, and you have to look at the fact that like seventy four percent of our adult population is overweight or obese, right? And and yeah. it's like I think forty four percent are obese, so almost one out of two. And I don't really care, you know. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I care deeply for for how they feel about themselves, um, but it's it's not so much like a body shaming thing as much as a those excess pounds of weight um, absolutely contribute to diseases. Like we, we know that they're not calling, you know, um, Alzheimer's type three diabetes and like the connection between excess weight and cardiovascular disease and cerebrovascular diseases like Alzheimer's, right? And, and all of that is just kind of wrapped up into, um, you know, deep ill health, right? And so, I'm curious to hear your perspective because you have such a positive message, right? And and there is this um, kind of cultural phenomenon with like body positivity, which obviously we all we all want to embrace that that concept. But where do you draw the line, and and how do we how should we think about the fact that like um, it's actually it's not a positive thing to have like really high levels of of excess weight right like it it does cause disease and that causes 
you know, health care costs that causes all of our insurance premiums to go up and the country to go further in debt, which we're all going to pay for later. Our kids are going to pay for it. So like there's this big problem and I'm not sure that it's positive to say that like, oh, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know, be obese or overweight. Like I, 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 have, I have some trouble with that in both directions. Right. Cause I also, you know, see yeah. the, the real unhealthiness of body shaming and, and can't get on board with that either. So how do you think about it? I think it's a really tricky topic. Um, I definitely can say just from my experience, like I've never, I've been overweight. I've never been obese or morbidly obese to, so I can't speak to the personal experience there, but I can say that I think it's so much more than just weight loss and working with clients that are obese or they have been in the past. It's not that they don't know what to really do. You know, I think we know that eating fruits, eating vegetables, like we know generally what healthy eating is. And so many of the women that I worked with, they've tried diets. They've been on diets for what feels like forever and so as far as you know body positivity I'm definitely in the middle you know I think that we can work on our habits we can work on how to actually fuel our bodies in a positive light and not from a place of self-deprivation or just that like judgment and shame and like I have to lose weight because I have to be thin but what are you doing now and and a lot of my clients do. And it comes from a place of, I, I want to lose weight. They come in they They want to lose weight because their doctor told them to, they know they're overweight, but they're not, they're not about to diet again. They're not about to go on Weight Watchers for the 10th time. They want to really learn, you know, sustainable habits. And so for those people, the ones that do, they are interested. Cause I'm also not on like pushing anybody to lose weight. I don't think it's right to shame or put down people because you really just don't know what they're going through and you don't know their story. Maybe it's access to food. There's so many other factors that go into why we are as a nation overweight and obese, but a lot of it does have to do and with the food environment and our own knowledge and our own resources and learning how to take your habits and make them to where you are eating more fruits and vegetables. You're eating a, a diet that is nutritious, but also not just, you know, nutritious on the surface, but also nurtures that, you know, the enjoyment of food, the satisfaction of food and learning how to actually eat in all situations with food, restaurants, holidays, vacations, where it's not so all or nothing. And you really create those habits that make you feel good. And I think that's a different approach to it versus you need to, like you go to the doctor, they tell you you need to lose weight because you're overweight or obese. Like I feel like everyone who has weight to lose has been told that at some point. And obviously that's not working to tell them you need to go lose weight or you need to go on a diet. And I don't know, I think there's many points of failure in the system but actually meeting these people where they are and working with them to create a sustainable plan to get them feeling good to where 
you know, they can run around with their kids. They can run around with their grandkids when they're older. They can walk upstairs. They can do those things that they want to do in a way that's not self-deprecating. I don't know if that totally danced around the answer or if that kind of, if you have any questions or what no, no, I think, that? I think, I think that's a very fair answer. And, uh, you know, it reminded me a lot of, um, I'm on a blue zone kick so you can hear the theme, but, you know, I, I'm not sure that it's um, someone's fault to be Never. overweight yeah. in this country because, you know, what the blue zones, one of the key lessons is that like they've set up the environment such that the default is the healthy answer, right? So like yeah. walking instead of driving, you know, um, fruits and vegetables and whole foods as opposed to like potato chips and candy bars, you know, and, and in this country, like you can barely rent a car without being inundated with like soda. You know, it's like, yeah, we have totally designed our environment to make it incredibly difficult to be healthy. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and so, you know, again, I, I think um, certainly I have deep sympathy for people who are dealing with that because, you know, as we all know, this stuff isn't just overnight, you know, it's been accruing for years and years and in some, in some cases decades and so it takes almost that long to reverse it and and it's a really 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 tough situation so um thank you for for wrestling with with that um let me ask uh if we could do like a a rapid fire um i ask all dietitians these these questions and feel free to to go right. as quick or as as short as you want but um as you think about your own life or as you would recommend to to a client but i know as you said everyone has to approach it in a personalized way so um feel free to uh to just think of yourself in answering these questions if if you like um okay. but what's the number one habit um so one habit if you could only choose one uh food related or not um that you do to ensure that you're feeling great every day but also knowing that you're protecting yourself in the long run the number one habit i would have to say mindful eating and bringing awareness to what i'm doing would be number one or eating more fruits and vegetables <laughs> um fair enough but I do think that when you are mindful of what you're doing, you actually like pay attention. You sit down and you're like chewing your food. Like you feel so much more satisfied and you're way less likely to overeat. And so when we can slow down and enjoy our food and realize what we're putting into our body and think about how it makes us feel, I think that that's huge for just not only short-term, but long-term health. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you have a mindfulness practice outside of that? Outside of eating? Yeah, like meditation or like that. I'm just curious. I have tried to get into meditation. I will say it's a area of struggle for me, but I feel like I meditate in different ways. Like I like to go for walks and just kind of listen to things or not listen to things and kind of bring more mindfulness that way. But Definitely something I'm working on. Cool. Just curious. Um, yeah. But it's a great, it's a great uh, tip. Something I, you know, 
work on myself. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, what's the healthiest food that every person should eat? And I know that's a tough question. So what's one food that you try to get in your diet as much as possible? I'm going to say leafy greens. Maybe that's a basic answer, but you get a lot of fiber, vitamins, minerals. Yeah. I would, I would leave it at that. Um, it's funny so far out of like, I don't know, 30 dietitians, um, it's only been beans or greens. So you're in good really company. Good <laughs> yeah. Um, no one said water, which is really surprising, but I guess I, I am saying food. So maybe that's biasing. I didn't think of water. I know. I'm like, number one habit. No one says water. Healthy food. No one says water. I'm like, I don't know why that just dawned on me, but I hope someone asks me that question. I can be really. I think you're talking to, if you're talking to dietitians, it's like, we're so food focused that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even water. Like, yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's all, you know, greens. Look, I mean, they have lots of water content, high water content. You get some in water greens. in there too. So, there you go. Um, if you are going to take a, a supplement, um, what is a, or, or call it a non-food nutrient. So like, um, I don't know, you might ginger, it's a root, but people won't gnaw on it like as if they're eating a food. Um, turmeric, right? O omegas, B12, those kinds of things. Um, do you take any of those? And, and if you had to choose one, what would you encourage people to look at for themselves? Yeah, so... I take B12 for sure. And that's because I don't eat a lot of meat animal products. So I do recommend that if you are eating plant-based, kind of like you you said, Matt, too, like you developed all these like conditions or whatever, and it was a B12 deficiency. I absolutely recommend that, especially if you're cutting out or significantly reducing animal products. Cool. Um, what is a food that most people or plant-based people either way, um, think is healthy, uh, but you think they're wrong. You think it's not so healthy. They get it wrong. A plant-based food? Any food. I mean, look, if you want to say meat, that's fine too, but <laughs> I'm just looking for the controversies. Man. You know, I would have to say, this is kind of controversial, probably, but like the juices, like juicing. And not that it's a bad food or it's not healthy, but a lot of the times what they're doing is taking the food and stripping down, just you're getting the juice from it. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of vitamins, you're getting a lot of minerals, you're getting the sugar and you're not getting the fiber. And so from a blood sugar perspective, only drinking a juice without having some kind of fiber or fat or protein with it is not as healthy as you might think it is. So I'm not opposed to juicing, but I think it's something that people, you'll see people like drinking green juice and like that's their whole meal. And so balancing that a little better to where we're looking at the whole picture and you know, blood sugar as well is something that I feel like people don't often think about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. I, I'm the worst at that because I don't like to slow down to 
to eat during the day. So I'll just, I'll, I'll, but I'll throw a ton of stuff in my like 64 ounce smoothies, like cauliflower, even been known to throw in broccoli, which I don't recommend because it really <laughs> distorts Tastes the like taste not. of your smoothie. Um, but I've been more and more uh, sensitive to the metabolic uh, considerations of just like the speed at which your body can uptake that food that like, you know, is effectively pre-chewed and doesn't have any of the the enzymes from your saliva. Like there's some there's some interesting stuff there. So I'm I'm, I'm with you. Not giving up my smoothies yet, but but I'm worried. I think smoothies are <laughs> way different. Smoothies are way different yeah, than juicing. True. You actually get the fiber, you get the whole food in the smoothie. Um, you're talking more of like the satisfaction factor with it too, of like actually being able to crunch and chew the food, which there is research that that helps you feel more satisfied. But I don't find that that's for every single person. So if the smoothie, yeah. you know, it's pretty well balanced. You feel good. You feel satisfied after it. I think it's much more balanced in that sense than a standalone juice. Um, is there any other food-related controversy that is worth us talking about? Not necessarily what food you think people are healthy, but a food-related controversy you wish people would better understand? I think anything that has to do with carbs because that's a huge, <laughs> like, it's a huge thing just of, oh my gosh, you're eating so much, like so many carbs, like you're having pasta, you're having bread. And it's something too, with the blue zones, like you see a higher carb diet and just the fear of carbs in general, because of all the diets that have, you know, come and gone throughout the years, they can be a perfectly healthy part of a very nutritious longevity promoting diet yeah well well put um okay <laughs> uh rapid fire so uh, there's like five six questions here um would ask you to kind of uh each one deserves a book um but we're gonna <laughs> intentionally limit you so i can be respectful of our of our time together um yeah. oil yes or no for you Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, higher protein diet, if longevity is the goal, but I know given your expertise with weight loss, maybe you have a different answer so you can give two. I think there is a balance with it. I think we need to be aware of protein. I think we need to be intentionally including it, but we don't need to be drinking protein shakes for every meal and supplementing it in that makes sense yep very accurate um plant-based meats so the impossible is the beyonds and the i'm not against them but i would not eat them for health promoting reasons environmental maybe but they're not like a bean or something like that yeah or entertainment right like you know yeah as um there's there's a place for pleasure in, in yeah. our foods, I think. Um, Plant-based milks. I like them. Um, gluten. I love gluten. <laughs> as long everyone, as everyone have, does. Everyone I don't as does. long as you don't have celiac disease or some kind of like gluten sensitivity, perfectly healthy part of, of a nutritious diet. Okay. 
um, caffeine. I like it. I don't think, I think in moderation, it's totally fine. Uh, how about alcohol? Again, not a health promoting food, but there's room for it. I don't know. You look at those blue zones. Um, I'm pretty sure they all just, you know, all, all the people lean on the blue zones as an excuse to drink more wine, but that's you know, <laughs> just a hunch. Um, yeah. If you had a metaphorical billboard, um, something that, you know, this message will get out to hundreds of thousands of people. Um, uh, what is that one message that you want people to walk away with? If it's just they're looking up at a billboard and you want them to remember something. Oh man, this is a hard one. I would say small habits, big results. Nice. Poetic. I like it. <laughs> cool. I'm um, like, yeah. trying to craft a billboard in my head here. <laughs> yeah. Um, if that would fit, it's funny. I've gotten some paragraph responses for sure. Like, it's a billboard. Come on. Like, you can't, I'm trying to think. You know. I'm like, people have two I seconds know. to read I that. <laughs> I, I very, I very much appreciate that consideration. Um, but in all honesty, uh, I think it's an awesome message. You know, one of the things I always say is, uh, 1% better. Cause like, if you just try to do 1% better every day, whether it's in your diet, your exercise, your mindfulness, like just as a as a parent or in your career, like it's it's a small enough improvement that doesn't intimidate you, but like those things compound. And like they you really say, do. those those small habits, you know, can really make a difference over time. So I think that's an awesome message. Um, well, Maddie, thank you so much again for, for your time this afternoon. I've really enjoyed it. And I know our audience, I'm sure, um, has benefited from it. So thanks for being so generous with your schedule. Thank you.